Hello, everyone. A warm welcome to the What's Going On podcast with me, Jacob. I got with me my best friend, Chua. How you doing, man? Bro, I'm happy we're back at it. Back in a... I mean, bro, you got to say something about the new setting. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's, it feels so realistic to sit in a, in a real podcast studio like this. Because last time when we were, we were recording... It was super nice to get going, but we were like in your living room. We didn't have all these mics and shit. So it was, it was nice, but I, I, I prefer to do it like this. We're in a podcast studio in Sinal Fabriken. In Shout out. Shout out to this studio. It feels amazing. Actually, it feels like a dream come true. And I'm just, I just going to say, you know, thanks for all the feedback we got. Because that yeah. was, you know, one of the big things you guys mentioned. You guys mentioned a little bit about, you know, hey guys, I heard a little bit of echo. The sound wasn't the best. You guys should invest in, you know, some better sound. And I mean, now... I yeah. hope you guys can hear us a little bit better. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And uh, yeah, as you said, on our pilot episode, so nice to hear feedback from all, all y'all. We, we love you. We love our listeners. And it feels also surrealistic to, to be able to record a podcast what, that act, people actually listen to. So thanks a lot for the feedback that we received so far. And uh, we will continue to pump out episodes. Uh, be sure on that. Be sure on that. Weekly, we got some interesting ones planned yeah, over the man. next weeks. Yeah, man, we've been we've been doing some um, actually some planning before before we we did this podcast because the first one was like a pilot one, so we're like supposed to you know try it out a bit, you know, see if we were comfortable doing this. But we ended up thinking that it was really cool, and uh, we see a lot of potential in this podcast, and we think that we could uh, uh, we could definitely improve and uh, get some really interesting guests uh, on the podcast. So yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt, bro. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, a warm welcome then to the first episode, actually, because the first one was a, uh, a pilot one, and now we're actually in the first, first, uh, first episode. So, uh, applause for that. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta hype yourself a bit. Well, so, uh, you got to. If you don't applaud yourself, who is? Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You gotta support yourself. Um, and someone who is actually. Uh, sharing it on himself a lot and got a big ego is the guy that we started started off uh, last week with talking about Cristiano Ronaldo and the whole situation with uh, the interview that he did with Piers Morgan. I'm just jumping right into the to the theme of the last week's podcast now. But um, since then, since the interview, pretty much have been going on. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, actually left Man United on a mutual consent. Or, or was it, it? It was actually both of them, right? None of them wanted to continue the journey together, right? Yeah, like it was a yeah, mutual agreement. But I think often in those cases, it means that your contract's been terminated, and yeah. I think it's just like a nice way to present it to the public. Even though I, I do think he wanted, he wanted to leave the club for sure. Yeah, but As I think you he said probably, last, last week. Exactly. The episode. Exactly. I mean, we called it. Yeah, exactly. So happening. But, but I do think that he did want some type of payoff, right? Yeah, and and he he didn't get that. You know, no. and that's because of breach of contract. You know, yeah, exactly. Some of the things he exactly. did, he can't really say. No. So, so there's actually been, apart from the World Cup in Qatar, that we talked pretty pretty much about also uh, last week in the episode, um, there's been uh, um, the news about Manchester United Football Club and also with Ronaldo. But last time we focused quite a lot on Cristiano Ronaldo and him leaving the club. For me, I think that is like an ended chapter. Or wh- what is your opinion on it? Supporter? I just want to move on from it. Yeah. And I think... And I think we will. Um, yeah. So, but I think one thing that we that I think it's impossible not to touch on now. Yeah. Would be you know, the Glazers um, yeah. and the fact that United are up for sale. Yeah, definitely, definitely, because Manchester United Football Club um, has gone through 
some uh, big changes. Not not only Cristiano Ronaldo now leaving the club, um, actually a, a wanted manager all over the world in Eric Ten Hag, um, and also a, a lot of like g- really good players that actually came to Old Trafford. Uh, we saw one of them scoring today for Bra- Brazil. Um, so. I think that Manchester United has so many good things going on. So I don't think that this whole like Ronaldo thing um, will be a problem for United. It would rather be like I think it would be more of a of a of a um, of a benefit actually for the club to go through and to continue to build yeah. build the club back again to where it were. I think it's the beginning of a new chapter. Yeah, honestly. yeah. Actually, you, I'm buzzing. Yeah, in, in a few years, I think we can see like the Manchester United th- that actually had Ronaldo in the squad, and the and the Ronaldo that actually left Manchester United and went on to Saudi Arabia or something. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see where, where where that guy ends up. But uh, um, yeah, honestly, yeah. let's see let's see where the geezer ends up. Yeah, but now actually, I, I think we should focus a bit on on Manchester United because it's it's um some some people will hate now, but uh, but I would say it's the biggest club in the world. Not maybe like what they uh, performed. Uh, like the, in the recent years, but if you see the the like the um, uh, the size of the club is definitely up there together with Barcelona, Real Madrid, in the historic part like Milan. But I would say this definitely like top ten biggest clubs in the world. That I think no one can can disagree on that. Top ten, top you five. Got, didn't mate, I say you gotta be kidding five? me, mate? Didn't I say top five? You said top ten. Oh, did I? Yeah. I, I was actually thinking about top ten because top <laughs> no top five, top five because I said top mate, ten. It's top I mean, one. Yeah, it's top one in terms of the scale yeah. of the club, yeah. the fan base, the ah. just the commercial revenues that are yeah. generated. United yeah. is top one. Yeah, I would say I would say it's hard to like compete against the Spanish giants like uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona. Uh, I think they are the top three. The, would you agree on that? Without like any like um, what like the first one or the second one or the third one? Yeah, would, wouldn't you say that those are the top t- top three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the three biggest clubs in the world. Yeah, so I would say that but it's hard. It's hard f- to like rank which of them. Are the yeah, yeah, I would say that they are the three biggest clubs say so. in the world. I think if you're looking in Europe, then yeah. it's I think I think Real and Barca are bigger. Yeah, but I think if you look in the glo- global scale, yeah. if you take into account Africa, Asia, Asia and so on, then yeah. I think United trumps the two. And also, I think North America. Yeah, Qu- quite many Premier League fans uh, over there. But le- but let's talk about like the whole um, the whole uh, ownership model of uh, of Manchester United and the whole like. Because they are owned by a quite a special family called the Glazers. Can you like take it back to how it started with the the, the not the love affair, but the <laughs> relationship between the Glazers and uh, your beloved Manchester United? Of course. So to give you know the listeners a bit of context, some of you might not you know know this in detail, but Manchester United were bought in two thousand five for seven hundred and ninety million in a leverage buyout, which means that the Glazers got a loan to buy the club. Yeah put the debt on the club, which by the way was debt free at the time. Yeah. And then, you know, now the club have to pay that loan back. Today actually this type of buyout is illegal in the UK and wouldn't have gone through. That's crazy actually when you hear it because it's impossible to like understand like how that was even like uh, legal to do it back then. Hey, it's but a joke. Yeah. It's a joke. Yeah. And I was I was reading an article in the Telegraph last week um where they said that the takeover has cost Manchester United 1.13 billion since 2005 pounds right pounds yeah so instead of pumping money into the club like yeah. all these other owners do yeah they've taken it out of the club yeah and that's a pretty like big misunderstanding uh, many people see that Manchester United they're paying they're spending like so much money um, but it's actually not the case we're gonna we're gonna talk more about it but it's like interesting to hear 
Hey, for sure. Yeah. Um, there's a huge misconception yeah. you know, on that. I just want to shut that one up right now. Yeah. Um, because I'm so tired of people saying, oh, Manchester the owners, you know, they're buying all these players for you guys. You guys have spent one point two five billion on players and yeah. so on but it's not true um so yeah. the money that the club has spent on players is money that the club has generated or has borrowed yeah none of it comes from the family and a lot of people need to get that idea out of their heads that the glazers are putting money into the club every year like abramovich did at chelsea like sheikh mansour at city like the saudis at newcastle they've borrowed money and used that money that the club generates through its incredible fan base and commercial operation yeah jacob if me and you were to own united we could spend the same amount of money every year on the club through its generation of revenues. It's crazy. Actually, it, it kind of like break my, breaks my heart that such a big club uh, is owned by these like clowns, in my opinion. I think that they are they don't they they don't seem to know anything about football uh, or it's, as they say in the U.S. soccer. <laughs> uh, but I think this is like ridiculous. So I think it's it's about time. They, that they go through and uh, and and sell this uh, giant football football club. No doubt. No doubt. And if you look at those 1.13 billion that I mentioned, yeah, 743 of that is just interest payments. Yeah. Think about if that money I got on players or the, the stadium or the training ground, the infrastructure. Yeah. 147 on debt repayments, 166 million on um, dividends, yeah. uh, which is in general the last couple of years has been 25 million a year. 55 million on director's remuneration and 23 on management fees. And on top of that, the Glazers have pocketed 465 million through sales of shares. <laughs> it's it's actually insane. And between 2010 and 2021, yeah. United's interest payments were 517, which is almost as much as the rest of the league combined. 536. That's crazy. That's crazy. And literally, like the debt we have now, yeah, is literally the same amount as when um, as when they bought us. It doesn't make sense, honestly. No. Um, so you haven't, you haven't like proceeded. Yeah, until, uh, uh, since since they actually took over the club. Yeah, um, at all, and, and that, at all, and that you can see that on the pitch. But when you when you hear when I hear you speak about this, I can also understand like that they didn't do this in the organization or organization either. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, Stralix's genius covered up their incompetence in the beginning. Yeah, and since he's left, they've shown that they can't manage a forward-thinking football club. No. You know, there's been a toxic culture and atmosphere of the club over the last nine years. Without Sir Alex and you know David Gill at the time, yeah. And if you compare it to what all the clubs have spent, United probably need a billion, um, you know, just to rebuild or renovate the stadium. Another half billion for the training ground, yeah. Um, infrastructure projects and football investment. And from what I read, they only have like forty or fifty million cash left in the bank. And a couple of years ago, the club actually was rich in cash, three hundred fifty yeah. million or so on. But now they don't have that money. So something has has had to give, and it has now. I mean, that's yeah. why I think that's a big part of the reason they're selling the club. Yeah, um, but it's but it's like sorry for like maybe misunderstanding this, but has there been like an an official statement where they say like we want to sell Manchester United Football Club? It hasn't been right. Now there was actually an um, an official statement last week. Oh, they like did posted they on did. the United on the United website and so on. Okay, where they said that the board are exploring strategic alternatives, including right. the sale of the club. All right, all right. So that's basically saying that they're evaluating what to do yeah. with the club and the whole like ownership yeah, exactly. structure. Yeah. yeah, okay. And they've never made that type of statement before. And that's what gives me hope. Yeah. But then, I mean, if you look at, because on the pitch, United obviously haven't performed. Who's responsible for the mess? In my opinion, when a business isn't performing, ultimately it's the owners of the club, right? No shareholders, owners of a good business when the business is failing in its core activity. 
and continue take, to take money out of the business. Yeah. Right. You know, we've got a rotting stadium, which is second rate. Um, football project where people in charge don't have a clue. Exactly. Bankers in charge of the football club, not making football decisions. We have no sporting director. No. You can bl blame the players all you like, but um, at some point, you know, you have to stop blaming the players and um, the manager. And it was funny, like I was, I was watching something Gary Neville said, which I thought was a really good analogy. He said, when a school is underperforming and getting poor results regularly over a period of time, they get put into special measures by the government and the kids don't get blamed. And that's kind of where United are now. You can't blame the kids anymore. No. You know, you have to blame the, but the ones running it. I'm also thinking like in like any business, if a company is like underperforming, who is the one getting questioned? It's not the co co-workers. Yeah. They're just doing what they're told from their bosses who are in um, in their type. They are uh, responding to what they are being said from the strategic part of the company. And if the company is underperforming, uh, you have to do a change uh uh, in the upper part of the company, that is where if, if that's not a hundred percent there, then a company won't won't be successful in the longer perspective for sure. I think you're spot on. Yeah, and even I mean, even when you look at the the recruitment side um, yeah. over the last years, like after sacking Moyes in 2014, apparently United tried to get Jurgen Klopp, and Woodward apparently sold United to him as an adult version of Disneyland. <laughs> uh, uh, it, it was a long time ago since I, I thought about this Woodward guy. Yeah, uh, thank God. What, what, what is that, that guy doing right now? Don't even know, man. Don't even want no. to think about that guy anymore. Oh, <laughs> I'm so, just getting like so sick. Uh, you know, you saw all these like poor United Statesmen and you saw his like ugly ass face and you're like, who is this guy? Right. How's he like in a strategic role in a, in a big football club like United? Right. I was just like <laughs> starting, Disneyland. To, starting to <laughs> start to laugh when I saw his name. And I, so many so many failed failed things that that guy has been uh, responsible for right yeah i mean it's just one thing like when united buy players you know we've had these piano introductions you know like with sanchez when he was coming pog back all that hype yeah. about that the yeah. whole ronaldo thing and it kind of puts a yeah. player like on a pedestal above the manager and if you look at the likes of liverpool or man city like the manager is the primary figure at the football club and here at United, they've undermined the manager by elevating the players to a godlike status. Yeah. Which is um, messed up. But it may, like, if you think about it, now I'm asking you, like, if you look at um, the players United have bought since 2013. Yeah. Um, by the, which we, by the way, we spend 1.25 billion. Yeah. Right. How many of those would you say have been good value for money? Like, who've been, you know, successful signings? I think it's like hard to tell because. I'm I'm Swedish, so uh, for example, like Victor Nilsson Lindelöf, mm. uh, they didn't pay so much money for him, and it's been like decent, but it's, he's not taking the club to the next level when it comes to like uh, a center back. But like, there's been players who've been doing like okay. So mm. like for example, like Luke Shaw, I think that that guy is also he's like a he's like a real like an an uh, unreliable stock. He goes up and down like this, so you can, so you can never like. Uh, rely on him 100 percent, mm. but otherwise than that also i get back to the to the swedish players Latan, he he was actually when 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 uh, united bought him um he was like he's a bit old he hasn't performed in england before he's a bit cocky he don't have the united manners and so on but he he just came and showed that he was pure class from from also from the mls but he had been like a huge success yeah for and sure the people thought like he's 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 done 
you know he, he's playing over there in america in the in like amateur football league and so on but he came and showed that he was really good and also in recent years bruno bruno fernandez who's actually the captain of the ship right now in manchester united he has also been a huge success uh he's been like a key player from the from the day he, he entered uh entered old trafford the locker room but it's like <laughs> that's like almost like a 10 years and we can we can like struggle to get get a get like three players who's actually been like a success yeah, mate. and that shows just how chaotic it's been and even yeah. now when you look at it like when eric ten Hag took over we've seen how reliant has been on the dutch league and also yeah. players that he knows right yeah and you, when you think about it united we already have a recruitment team of 50 60 people working in that department and yeah. eric ten Hag clearly doesn't trust it it just shows, shows how unorganized it is and that's why he's felt okay let me get my own players i want yeah. malasia i want ericsson who i've worked with yeah i want um lissandro martinez i, yeah. I want anthony right like yeah he, exactly like it shows that there's no structure about in the club C- cody gakpo um there was rumors about some other play from the dutch league i think so so i i think that he showed pretty much that he he did. i saw it i don't know what you think but i, I saw it as a as a statement against the club that he he was not 100% trusting like who they were uh, suggesting that they would buy but it's also like Rolf Rangnick I remember that him uh, that he told the told the media that he had been like so many potential signings that he wanted yeah uh, but uh, like the management of uh, the like the, the higher up in the organization they were like really like didn't didn't support his ideas and it was like so many good players now that are representing other teams in Europe and in the Premier League. Yeah, um, yeah, he, they didn't like that he spoke the truth. No, nah, exactly. I mean, like he pretty much told told them that United needed open heart surgery. Yeah, they didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like he, the, then he was gone. My man Ralph, he was so like he was so ruthless. Yeah, he just said basically what one hundred percent what he felt. Yeah, and that's something I liked about him. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but it's just like if you compare Manchester United to a club like Man City yeah. at Man City you see there's like a clear line of accountability in their roles you've got um, the owners who employ Chiki Begeristan yeah. who's a director of football and Ferran Soriano the CEO and then you have Pep who feeds into those guys right yeah. like that's it that's the structure of the club yeah. at the you know of course at a higher level um, but those guys know what they're doing you know they've worked together at Barca before and yeah. that's yeah. also like a clear like clear line of like who who you put together exactly so so I wouldn't be that I wouldn't be surprised if um, if actually Eric Ten Hag is getting like along more like Dutch people into the United organization I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened yeah same I wouldn't mind someone like you know Ed, Edwin van der Sar and so ah, exactly exactly he's been like he's the director of sports yeah I think in Ajax so I wouldn't be surprised if he gets any type of role in Manchester United also followed by his um, by his career there. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised. I just wanted to touch on reasons for selling the club. Yeah, because there is one like obvious one, but I think that's the one that you that you think if you're not like so like investigated uh, in the situation. But that is that Ronaldo left the club. That th- these owners they see like their poster boy, the guy that was generating money, the guy that was selling the shirts, he's leaving the club. Um, but you disagree in this yeah. state. At um, least I personally. I don't. I don't really think that I moved the needle. To be honest, um, yeah. the whole Ronaldo thing. Of yeah. course, the timing makes it look like you know, for um, from the outside perspective, that you know maybe that was the, the reason. But I do think there's quite a few others. Um, yeah. I think one of them would be the whole the narrow window around the Chelsea valuation. You know, that wasn't too long ago, and they got sold for you know quite a lot of money, four yeah. point something billion, which is quite a lot more than they were valued, and um, kind of an o- overhyped valuation. 
Um, yeah. I think also the fact that Liverpool announced they were up for sale. Um, and then I also think... Also American owners. Yeah, exactly. American owners there. Yeah. Um, I think the increase in interest rates, right? Yeah. You know, United have a lot of debt and have spent a lot of money on just repaying interest rates, right? And it's not, not only Glazers that are getting yeah. affected. <laughs> it's not only us that get fucking broke. It's also yeah, for the Glazers, you know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's not just us. Nah, man. Um, then, just, you know, the global recession in general, right? Yeah. I think that's part of this whole timing, right? You know, they feel like, okay, this is a time where we can get the most value because in a year from now, we might not be able to get that value anymore. Exactly. And then... I think a big one is, of course, the collapse of the Super League. Yeah, um, which they were pretty integral in setting up. Yeah, I can understand that because that would that would uh, like raise so much money, and that is actually the only thing they think about. If you if, on like everything that you spoke about previously, it shows that Glazers they are up for the one thing, and it's the money. So the, the Super League, the, the collapse of the Super League, I think that was like actually a big factor, massive factor. You know, yeah. they were hoping, okay, this is this is a new cash cow for us. But it didn't. Um, I mean, there was so many protests; it just didn't work, and yeah. especially in the UK. Um, yeah. But I mean, the fans yeah. pretty much been like hating them, yeah, for, for like quite a few years. Yeah, and yeah, I, exactly. I think that they're the glaciers. They're also human beings. You know, they wake up every day and they read, read like papers. They read. Maybe they go through social media from time to time, and they see that all these United supporters hate them. I yeah. think that they're also human beings. You know. So, if, they are maybe thinking that enough is enough. They yeah. Want they, they want to get, get some economical benefits out of it and just leave it, you know? I think that was one of the final nails in the coffin. You know, yeah. Just like all the, the protests we've seen over the last months, years and so on. Yeah. I think, you know, it's reached a boiling point when you combine it with all the other reasons I mentioned. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think there's quite a few reasons. And yeah. I don't think the timing is, um, is a coincidence. You yeah. know, like they, they've simply run out of money as well. It's been like names that have been linked with the with buying the club that are actually having pretty like special bonds to the club. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, That's also the thing. Quite a few interesting names. Um, yeah. Should we maybe move on to those? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, and I think just before we move on to those, I think yeah. whoever ends up buying United will have a lot of money to invest in us, which I think is already a great point because as I mentioned earlier, um, leverage buyouts which was how United were bought out, are legal. Yep. So now it has to be, you know, a cash buyer, someone with liquid assets, exactly. someone who has money. Right? Someone who has money, money to spend. Exactly. And there's going to be, I mean, there's so many parties interested in United now, so yeah. I think it'll be a bidding war. Yeah. So I think the price think is going to go up and up and up. It won't only be like one, uh, one, one like uh, potential uh, owner who will mm -hmm. be interested. I, as you say, I think there will be several who will like actually like fight to get United. And there's, I mean, there's some pretty interesting ones. We've got, I mean, Apple. Quite a big company, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not small, not small at would, all. Would you say it's like maybe the biggest company in the world buying the biggest football club in the world? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see that I work with in PR, so I can see that, I can see that like statement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People saying that and shit. So yeah. Apple, interesting. Interesting. They're, I mean, not, they're not that much into football, right? I can't really think of any tech companies that have bought, bought sports clubs like that. Can no, you? No. Not yet. Not yet. They've been like a few like big sponsors on Premier League shirts and so on. Um, but I don't think they've been like owners. No, I don't think so. So um, but Apple, ex uh, they're expanding, always expanding. So I think this, they see this as a, as a new way to um, 
to to increase the, their brand. Yeah. So say, yeah. And I think, I mean, if you look at why would they buy us, yeah. I think, I think it's for the same reason that um, Sky wanted to buy us in '98, and that's that's because Manchester United is a content vehicle. You know, if Apple yeah. want to get into live sports or integrate more content into their devices, then owning a club like United and having a seat at the table in the conversations when it comes to TV rights and broadcasting rights, like when they're decided, I think that would be huge. And I think that's one of the reasons they think this is an interesting investment opportunity. Definitely, definitely. All right. And the money it costs for them is pocket change. Yeah, I mean, definitely. They're valued at 2.36 trillion. And I think the revenues are 300 something billion a year, right? Yeah. Which is over a billion a day. Um, so, if, <laughs> I mean, they, if they wanted to, they could buy, or it would cost them the money they're in in a week to buy United. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's not it's not a lot a of money for them. Amounts of money like that is like hard to even like think about it. <laughs> it's an, it's but, insane. Um, yeah, they they have cash to spend, so to say. Big I don't know. Cash. I don't know how much they know about football. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that, but but still, I think that they um, it could be a, a good like love affair when it comes to two big brands like that collaborating. I yeah. think they could do they could do great things together. Yeah, for sure. I sure, I sure think so. Yeah, and it's all about who they put in charge yeah, to, to run things on the Definitely. ground. Definitely, right. it's not like Steve Jobs guy <laughs> be like in charge of the of the of the sporting yeah, like in Tim Cook. Nah, exactly. He yeah. won't. He won't be the guy like director yeah i think we do 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 better than ed woodward though i think i think us i think like we we would do yeah. better than ed woodward yeah, i think so too <laughs> so it can't be worse basically <laughs> and then there's one that you're pretty excited about yeah my man david there's actually i don't know if he's my man anymore with all this qatar oh, uh, ambassador shit he's like mm. a unicef ambassador and at the same time uh being the f- uh being the uh, the poster boy of K- Qatar World Cup, mm. um, but I always get excited when I j- only like hear David Beckham's name. He he he's the guy who made me like f- who who made me fell fell in love with the sport. Um, so my heart is always like beating faster when yeah. I hear his name. So one of your biggest idols, definitely, definitely, maybe the biggest one. I would say so, definitely. Like not only in in football, yeah. also like when it comes to fashion, um, and it's like. Style of life, you know his his looks, his like mm. glamorous lifestyle, everything about him. He's like, if I could change change life with one person in this world, I would definitely go with David Beckham. Yeah, yeah, definitely, mm. definitely. Yeah, his life doesn't look too bad. No nah, man, <laughs> living in Miami, you know, having these all these brands he represents. Yeah, and looking still at the age of like forty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm dreaming away here from a from a winter Stockholm, but yeah, continue. Um, but yeah, n- not surprised to see him linked at all. I mean, but obviously he himself has nowhere near that amount of money, so it would be in some type of consortium, right? Yeah, exactly. But but isn't the thing he, he own into Miami right now? Yeah. But he's been um, in uh, involved in the Southford. Yeah, uh, exactly. Exactly. But with Gary Neville, exactly and the, the class of '92, pretty much. Exactly. But um, <laughs> I I have to think that he wakes up every day dreaming about owning. And being uh, being involved in Manchester United Football Club, I, I I can't see him like refusing to to be involved in Manchester United. I think this whole Salford thing could perhaps almost be some type of internship for them in, in terms of how to run a football club. I think it's it might be with the intention of them long term wanting to take over United, right? But they have to yeah. test it out. They have to see okay, how do we run a club and so exactly. on. Exactly, and I think that this is a good thing for the class of '92 to run Salford because they still live in the UK, mm. and it was a great opportunity for David uh, to go through over the Atlantic 
a known football club in in the US, build his brand there, and then maybe I I, I wouldn't be surprised if they would be like a, mul- a multi club ownership model with like maybe David being involved in uh, Inter Miami, Salford, and Manchester United. Maybe you know the young players getting loaned out uh, to to Salford, and mm-hmm. maybe the players that actually have like peaked and they're too old to represent Manchester United. Maybe they can go by to Miami and play for that club. I don't see that like three of clubs uh, be unsuccessful collaborating. Uh, that, I mean, that could be interesting. Yeah. You know, some type yeah. of, you know, as we see with the City Group and yeah, so exactly. on. Yeah, exactly. They own Girona, they have New York City, they have Melbourne and shit. So that's actually an idea that we have to do a multi-club ownership episode where we talk about this phenomena who's been heavily increasing. I think this is, this, is the, this is the future of modern football. So, so I, I could see that as a potential uh, outcome. We'll definitely do an episode on that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. Get, get some experts on it. Yeah, it would be so interesting. I, I think that there's so much to learn from in that subject, yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Two other potential owners I just wanted to touch on. Yeah. Um, one is Sir Jim Ratcliffe. Uh, Sounds royal to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, is, it is very royal sounding, but he's like a British billionaire. Okay. Um, CEO of a company called Ineos. All right. A lifelong United fan, um, and seemingly also a Chelsea fan for about you know a couple hours when Chelsea were uh, available. <laughs> um, but he he declared his interest back in August and was told by the Glazers that United United aren't for sale when he contacted them. But now they're up for sale, so let's see what happens. Is he like British? Is he is he a London guy or a Manchester yeah. guy? Um, not sure actually. That's a good question. Let's take a look. And my man is old. <laughs> damn. 70. 70, damn. Um, quite quite much money. Yeah. Enough to buy United. That's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. He's born in old in Oldham. Oldham. Okay, yeah, so the Manchester. That's, that's area. Manchester. Yeah. Okay. yeah then, so he, he's, then he might be a red then. Yeah. So if he's like a proper United fan, then yep. you know that could be that could be good. Someone who genuinely cares about the club. Definitely. And then the final one I think is worth touching on is, you know, the whole Dubai thing. <laughs> Only have one thing to say about it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get so tired of all of these shakes and Dubai, Saudi Arabia. I, I, I just, I just pray that this won't happen because this will ruin, ruin the world football. I think so. But they, they have cash to splash, for sure. But I think this is... Uh, I, I, I get sad when I read this, actually. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of the whole idea of a country running a club. Like we see in no. Saudis. And, and also in Chelsea, you know, because like Abramovich was basically part of the Russian yeah. government. It feels like that, at least. He was like, he, I, I think someone called him like Putin's wallet. So, so I don't think that that is something that you want to like, I think it's like dangerous to do it in that way because then it's like so many potential bad outcomes mm. of it, of like a, uh, like a country owning a football club. It's, it's wrong in my opinion. I yeah. mean, City, they're bankrolled by the Abu Dhabi United Group, Saudi Arabia, public investment fund took over Newcastle, PSG owned by Qatar, sports investments. I mean, these are all like actual states, right? They're not yeah. like, they're not just rich individuals. No. Um, and um, and yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan of that concept. And I mean, the rumor is that the, the top guy in Dubai, Sheikh Hamdan bin Mohammed, is a Manchester United fan. 
Okay. And there's rumors that he's interested in, he was interested in buying Liverpool, but he put a stop to that because he's a United fan. Um, okay. So most likely. Okay, he did actually. Okay. Yeah. So that shows hard. Yeah, right. That's good. Um, so he most likely tried to buy United. Yeah. Um, but then, I mean, one part of me thinks, how do you com- compete with clubs that are funded by a state though? Right. Is that ultimately the only way to compete in the end? You know, like with that, it's pretty much unlimited money that Man City have and Newcastle have, yeah. that PSG have. Um, and if, let's say, Liverpool got bought up by a state fund, then suddenly United are going to be, stop getting top four. And you think so? If, if we don't... Yeah, mon- if, mon- money talks. Money does it, talk. I yeah, mean. and also in the Premier League. So, yeah. Yeah, you might be right there. Yeah. So, so, so this might be a chance for United. To 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 get owners that actually could could um, could secure a top top placement for United. As I, say. I do yeah. think that's an option. But I mean, I think those are some of the big potential owners of United, right? Um, the tech companies. I mean, Amazon's rumored as well. In the text, Amancio Ortega was rumored as well. Don't need to jump into those. But Apple, you know, the consortium led by Beckham, so Jim Radcliffe, and then Dubai. You can feel a bit safe at least. It won't be someone like the Glazers. That must be like. Nice to hear, at least. Yeah, yeah. I think know. I, I do think it'll be better than the Glazers. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> and because at least whoever takes over will have money. Yeah, that's the key <laughs> in the in the modern football to have money to spend. Uh, yeah. So let's see. But I'm like I said, I'm not a fan of like a country taking over. So I wouldn't no. want like the, the Dubai state fund to buy us. No. Uh, but if it's an individual, a rich individual, it's a, it's a bit different. But uh, Chua, you've been the guy taking so so much re- research into this. So I have to give this one to you. I'm really impressed with uh, all the research that you did, and I think it's really interesting. And I think that a few of the things that we talked about um, in this uh, sector of the podcast, we will come back to later on in our podcast, talk about how football clubs are run, the multi- multi-club ownership, uh, different ways of running successful football clubs, and uh, yeah, to succeed, basically. So thank you for this. It's been it's been an honor. Hey, so, pleasure talking about it. Yeah, and it's been like also like pretty refreshing to talking about something else rather than like the political things going on in in Qatar right now. But I think that we we do have to to get into the to the World Cup now, right? Do you think? Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on yeah. to that. It actually it started over a week ago now, right? It felt yeah, the, the, the last Sunday. Right. Yeah, the tournament. It feels like the tournament has been going on forever. Yeah, don't you think so? Don't you think so? Also. Yeah, I agree. Like yeah. It doesn't seem. I guess this is day eight or nine. Yeah, right, like it feels like it's been like World Cup games for a month, or two weeks at least. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, two three weeks. Yeah, so which is great. Which means we have a lot of time left. Definitely, exactly twenty eight days in total, and we're yeah. we're on day nine. Yeah, so. yeah. So so much, so many good games to look forward to. Yeah, and it's been a lot of like really good games actually in the in this whole tournament. Um, some huge ones. Yeah, last time when we talked, the World Cup hasn't really started it was more like predictions but now we will like maybe go through the groups and just shit out a bit about um the results and things have been happening and so on let's um, do that and i think we're starting in in the chronological order and then we will go with the group a and qatar the the ones who are actually running the the world uh, world cup this year they first first team to be disqual oh not disqualified by not but knocked out yeah exactly but that, w- that wasn't a surprise, though. Yeah, it but wasn't. It, before the tournament, that might that would have been a surprise because they won like the Asian Asian Cup of Nations only like a few years ago, two thousand nineteen or something. Yeah, so surprised about like how poor they were. 
Yeah, and uh, they've been so focused on putting together a national team. I think yeah. they probably started this project 12 years ago, you know, exactly. making sure the team is ready for yeah, Qatar 2022. Yeah, no, this, this academy where all the players came from with coaches that actually quitted like La Masia and then went to Qatar. But yeah. uh, Tim Cahill runs it, right? I think the Aspire Academy or something. Oh, yeah, true, true. Right? Yeah, Tim Cahill. Yeah. Yeah. It was a long time ago I thought about that guy. Uh, Everton legend. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Australian, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, in that group, I mean, any? what are your thoughts on any surprises there? I'm, I'm a bit surprised, actually, that Ecuador um, is on the first place, but it's one game to go. But uh, my predictions were that Netherlands and and Senegal would go through in mm. this group. And uh, I hope so still, because uh, I think Senegal is a more exciting team to watch rather than Ecuador. Mm. And also I, fe- I feel bad for the Senegalese people uh, because of Sa- Sadio Mane. Yeah. Um, and I think also that Ecuador, they, they're playing quite primitive football, you know, a lot of like long balls, physical physical football, but still they, they're doing a, they're doing good. Yeah, also they got they got my man Enrique Valencia on top. Who's yeah, yeah. he stood bit, out. Yeah, he's like I, I think he like led the uh, he was top scorer in the tournament like yesterday with three goals together with a few other players. Uh, him and him and Mbappe, I think. Exactly. So so he's been doing good. But my predictions are that the Netherlands um, and Senegal will go through actually. Yeah. So you think Senegal will beat Ecuador in the last game? Yeah, I actually think so. Which is probably tomorrow, right? It's tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. The Netherlands, I don't know if you have so much to say there. I mean, I think it's just Cody Gakpo has stood out. You know, he's been impressive. Yeah, definitely. And he's been linked with a United move to uh, to replace Cristiano Ronaldo. And I think he's the, re- the real deal. Um, yeah, I think actually the, the Netherlands, they, they're getting quite quite many good players now. You know, Xavi Zimons, Gakpo. Um, they got quite quite few like good players going on. So I think that we, we will see a better, a better the Netherlands uh, yeah. going forward. Let's see how the group ends. But yeah, I think Netherlands is going through, for yep. sure. And I think... 50-50. 50-50, honestly. And yeah. we do, do you also hope for Senegal? Yeah, I hope for Senegal, man. Yeah. And the group B, uh, including this this group, I think this group is quite... It's like not only like which countries are actually in this group, it's also like so many political and, you know... Um, uh, rivalries in, in uh, one group. Insane, it's, actually. Yeah, is it England? First place in the group, uh, followed by Iran, uh, followed by the USA, the team that I was um, predicting they was uh, they would be surprised in this tournament. Don't know if they will be, but still they are still in the game. They yeah. can go through, and also uh, old, tired, poor Wales. Yeah, they haven't been too exciting. They, they've been they've been like a shadow shadow of like who they were. Uh, you know, to see plays like Ramsey, uh, Bale. Plays like that, Hennessy. It's actually was quite quite an all right goalkeeper. Mm. But also, I, I saw like his his performance against Iran. You know when he ran out, got the red card and shit. I don't think they will go through. I think they have to beat England four 0 or something. Yeah, exactly. Which isn't and happening. That that is not happening. <laughs> Sorry to hear you, Wales out there listening. But um, I mean, US. I think you might be a little bit. I think you might be hyping them up a little bit too much, though. I am for sure. I am for sure. This is like me. Being excited about the U.S. and the whole like football culture, um, I think that I'm hyping them up too much. They're not that good, but I think they impressed against uh, against uh, England. I think that the Eng- the Englishmen they think that they would beat them qu- um, quite big, but um, I think they stood up, and I think that they. Got, I think like in four years in the World Cup, I think they will have a, a much stronger squad, but still, it's just like in my head, I see wh- where they are going 
towards, you know, being a country that was actually quite poor when it comes to football. Um, I think they are they are going somewhere. So I hope they will go through before Iran, even though I I pray for Iran and everything that's going on there. Um, no, nah, I actually, I, I want Iran to go through. U.S., they have their uh, tournament for yeah, in true. four years. It's going to be a tight one. Yeah. Um, I think that one's 50-50 as well. But yeah, yeah two months. U.S. did impress me against... Actually, I don't know if the U.S. impressed me or if England disappointed me. Um, Combine, but, combination yeah, of probably both. a combination of the yeah. two. Um, it was w- one of the worst games of the World Cup, in my opinion. Yeah, it was. It was, definitely, definitely. England was just like... They were struggling and they were felt a bit like uh, um, they, they were not giving 100%. And the U.S. was basically just... They were, they were satisfied satisfied with one point. Yeah, they were. Even though they, they, they wanted to score, they wanted to get, win the game, but they were also like pretty satisfied with the game ending up. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think... Better than they would have expected. Yeah. But um, we can be 100% sure at least that England will go through, right? England go through. I think the only way they don't don't go through is if Wales beat them 4-0. Yeah, exactly. Which, uh, a lot of, (laughs) that's not happening basically. No. (laughs) Should we go proceed to Group C? Yeah. Let's Uh, do that. With Poland in the lead, Lewandowski up front. And then we have Messi's Argentina. And then we have um, Argentina's um, who were the big, the bigger team against them? <laughs> Saudi Arabia, and then we do have Mexico on the last place. Quite surprisingly, actually, I thought Saudi Arabia would be would be on the bottom, but they also their win over Argentina was quite a surprise. Quite a surprise. But it wasn't a snatch and grab, though. It was one no. they deserved. No, like they played really well. Yeah, they they actually did. They actually did. And I also thought they played really well against Poland. Yeah. I think they could have won that game yeah, easily ha- as well. It hasn't been that much hype about Saudi Arabia. It's been more like talking about Qatar is really good and other teams. But I haven't heard like none about Saudi Arabia, basically. Yeah. Same. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, one or two of these guys end up in Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> the guy bending in the goal, yeah. you know, the, the crazy goal that he did. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him in a, in a bigger club than uh, a club in Saudi Arabia yeah. after this tournament. Yeah, I think... Wouldn't be surprised. All of them are actually... They all play in the local league. Yeah, so not, th- none of them playing abroad. Yeah, none of them are in Europe or anything, which yeah. is a bit of a surprise. But I think after this tournament, a couple of them will be in Europe because they actually look good. Um, some some talent scouts around the world, um, they open their eyes and will open their eyes towards Saudi Arabia going on. Yeah, I think so. Forward. Who would you say has been... Um, or what team has been like the biggest surprise for you? I must say, we will actually come to that team, but I'm super impressed with this team. And we will actually uh, touching up uh, upon them uh, previously. And that's Morocco. I think they have crazy team. Crazy team. <clears throat> I think um, I think that they're like so good and they have, they, they, they feel like a very like tight group and they feel like they have quite a good like tactics and like you, you, they know how to play. And they also think that some of the players, you know, like Siak and I think Hakimi, actually they they weren't playing for the national team, but now they're back. Um, mm. uh, uh, under the previous um, previous coach, they were not playing in the national team. Uh, now they're back, and it feels like all of these players they just you know admire so much to play for their nation. Wait, why why weren't they playing? I think it was because of some um, dispute with the with the f- previous coach. Mm. They were having problems. Um, you know, he wanted to play in in uh, in a sort of w- in in a specific way, mm. and the players to, who played in big clubs I- in Europe, uh, they wanted to play in another way. They didn't agree with the manager, and mm. then uh, actually the Moroccan football um, federation wanted wanted the coach to stay, and then 
I think Siek and uh, Hakim said like it's either him or us, mm. and they actually went with the coach quite surprisingly. But they went with the coach. But um, the first thing that the new coach did when he when the previous one left was to take them back in the national team. I think they are they are my like big surprise yeah, uh, I mean, so far in the tournament. The new coach, I think he's coached five games or something. Yeah, and they haven't conceded one goal yet. Yeah, so they're pretty pretty rock solid. Def- definitely, definitely. Yeah. Like it was great to see them beat Belgium last night. Yeah, it was also like quite fun to like see Kevin De Bruyne, you know, <laughs> saying that we are old now. You know, we were we were like in our prime last tournament. We was we we had to win that tournament, but we didn't. Um, and now we're a bit too old. And the younger guys, you know, the younger generation that they have, like Charles de Quetelade and uh, place like that, they are they are like they're too young still. They are not like developed enough. Um, and they are not like have not like um, breakthrough in their clubs yet. So so I think Belgium is also like what we talk about Wales. They're also like shadows of who they actually used to be. I think they've probably been my biggest disappointment this tournament. Yeah. But did we hope so much on that? Uh, we didn't. I do also think in our last episode we did say that was the surprise early exit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so I do, I I don't think that we had such high predictions for them. Um, before the tournament either. That's true. But I do think they've been worse than expected. Yeah, definitely. Just like in their general play. Yeah. But actually, uh, a team from Group D mm-hmm. that we actually, I think that we we didn't we didn't type them that much was France. They look quite solid. And from what, at least from what we've heard, there hasn't been any disputes going on in the team. Uh, but you always know with France, it, it could be like one of the, one of their tw- 12 or 15 egos Mm. Uh, start to fight against each other, and then it would be a problem. But um, but I think that they they feel quite stable this tournament. I and I don't think that people have been like thinking of them as winners. But now I can hear uh, people here and there talking about like France may maybe maybe able to go all the way this time. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. And I think there seems to be a pretty good energy there. Yeah, and also like they have such good squad. You know, like Lucas Hernandez getting injured, they still get on really good players. His little brother, exactly. So you know, like I actually think they are quite a big threat against the the team that I've been uh, predicted will win the tournament, Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, interesting with France, but also the Socceroos, Australia. Right. They they actually also been I've been quite impressed with them. Better than expected, to be fair. Yeah, better actually that they are on top of Denmark surprised me a bit but Denmark also they I think they will beat Australia actually and go go through um I hope so um because I think th- I'm so impressed with what Dan- uh, the Danes are doing on the other side of the sun it's like <laughs> close to Sweden and I think that they are doing so many good things um so I've actually uh I actually hope that they will go through because uh, they deserve it with um, how they are uh, running football in that country I think they will yeah, um, I think they will. Too. If they beat Australia, they have a pretty good chance of going through. Yeah, right. They haven't. They haven't been as good as I expected them. No. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, hard to say. Hard to say. Mm. I think they play well against France. I did think they deserved a draw. Yeah, they did deserve a draw. But France, they they had a little bit of not only luck but mm. also the, the 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 skill. They showed that they were a more routine squad mm. than Denmark. Yeah, that's and, true. Um, they they won there with an uh, late goal. Mm. So. It'll be interesting to see how the teams from that group will will proceed in yeah. this tournament. They're excited for this last round of games in general. Yeah, it's going to be definitely, definitely. There's like so many, you know, games that you maybe aren't that like 
excited about but when you see like the groups and how everything is going it can be like um yeah it can be like really competitive in the last games yeah i'm just sad there won't be games at you know 11 2 5 and 8 anymore are you, are you sad about that yeah Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Sometimes for me, I, th- I know it's not the case with you, but sometimes for me, it can be like too much so- uh, football. <laughs> I was supposed to say soccer. Damn, I say socceroos. That's bad. <laughs> sorry. I always say football, guys. Yeah. No, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I yeah. think that, yeah, it's a bit sad, but also like, I'm excited to like proceed in the tournament. Yeah, like, I know you mean. Fights where it's actually like 100%, like either you win or you're out. I'm excited to see those type of games because I want people. I want. I want to see people dying on the pitch to win the game, and uh, it's been like more like okay, we're fine with the draw here. That's you true. Know, a lot of like tactics now. I want. Uh, I'm excited to see like either you win or you're out. Yeah. Group E then with Spain uh, in the lead, followed by Japan, um, and then we have Costa Rica on the third place with my man Celso Borges, <laughs> former AIK player, my man's, <laughs> and then we have actually Germany on last place. Um, but they still have the chance to go through, right? Pretty big chance, actually. Yeah. Like if yeah. they beat Costa Rica, yeah. which they most likely will, um, and Spain beat Japan, then yeah. then they're through. So yeah. they should be going through anyway, but which Japan, is good for the tournament. Yeah, exactly. But J- Japan has been uh, has been a surprise previously when they won over Germany yeah. around in this in this tournament. So I w- I wouldn't say that Spain is a hundred percent. Hundred percent that they will win against Japan. That's true. And Japan were very unlucky against Costa Rica. I, yeah, Japan should have won that game. Yeah, exactly. I think that Japan could actually go through with one point, and then Germany is out. Or is um, it no? It depends on goal difference. Yeah, it depends on goal difference. Yeah. yeah, and Germany. I mean, they could score quite a few. Yeah, they mm. could. Yeah, yeah. You know, Costa Rica. They didn't. They didn't look well at all. Because I, I was actually, I thought that they would actually be quite good, but um, I think the as you said, they were quite lucky against Japan. But Spain have really impressed me, though. Yeah. There's also, like, a team that we didn't talk that much about. Yeah, right? You know, like, they don't have a striker, but they, they have, like, this crazy midfield. Uh, they still have, like, really good and talented uh, players up front. Uh, they have Unai Simon in goal, which I think is, he's not that that good when it comes to playing with his feet. But he, he's a really good shot stopper. And that's the most important thing for a goalkeeper, even yeah. though it's 2022. Yeah. <laughs> Where all of these goalkeepers are supposed to be, like, Zidane, uh, when it comes to... The ball with at their feet. That's true, but they're all just so comfortable on the ball. Yeah, like every player on that team, give it to them in any situation. They'll control it. They'll pass it on. They won't stress. I mean, yeah. And like, you know, like the youngsters, Gavi and Pedri, uh, with Busquets behind them. Like, yeah, they look filthy, man. They look filthy. It's unfair, man. I mean, Spain had Xavi and Iniesta, and now yeah. it looks like they've just been, you know, respawned. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Xavi and Iniesta 2.0, basically. Yeah. It feels that way, at least. Literally. And then, I mean, they got Busquets there. And then once he retires, Rodri's probably going to step up to that CDM exactly, position. instead of being centre-back. Yeah, yeah, and then, I mean, then they've got a new midfield set for the next decade again. Yeah. So, I mean... Exciting to see where Spain, where Spain will um, will proceed yeah. later on. Yeah, yeah, but they've been a positive surprise. Definitely. Um, and even my Spanish friends, they weren't they didn't go into this tournament with a lot of hope. They were pissed about the squad that was selected. Some big players dropped, but I mean, after seeing what they've performed, you can't. Yeah, you can't complain too much as a Spaniard. I think. No, no, you have to be super, super satisfied, satisfied with what they're performing. Yeah, so no and doubt. You, and even though, no matter how it goes in the tournament, they have a great future. Um, I'm sure of that. For sure. If we go to Group F, they're actually leading by Croatia. 
And then on second place, we have the team that I am super uh, surprised about and also pretty impressed about, um, uh, Morocco. And then we got old Belgium on third <laughs> place, old tired Belgium on third place. And then we have Canada uh, on fourth place, who uh, they, they got zero points. But still, you know, I'm a bit of an ambassador for North American football. <laughs> and I think that it's actually quite fun to see, like, how, how much Canada has proceeded from where, the, uh, in only, like, a few years ago, no one even thought of them when it comes to football. It was only hockey. Yeah. But now they're actually in the World Cup. And I think it's the same thing with the U.S. I think they will, they will learn a lot from these tournaments. They will gain it good experience for them. And they will get back in 2026 with a new confidence. Uh, I think, I think that's the tournament that they're counting on. You know, this, I think this for them is a warm up. A lot of the yeah. team is pretty young. You know, make sure they get that World Cup experience, develop, yeah. hopefully have a good run. But if not, they've gained that experience and they've they've been impressive, especially in their first game against Belgium. Yeah, definitely. But and yesterday, I mean, yeah, Croatia were just a bit too dominant for them. Yeah, they started off. They they scored a goal. Alfonso Davies. Yeah, their first a, World Cup goal. Yeah, scored a goal only like two minutes into the game or something. So they they started off. Pretty positive, but then then you can see that there, there was another level on uh, on Croatia. It's actually been also surprising me a little bit because you know their like top forward is Karamaric, uh, and a, a previous Chelsea failure who's been like on loan in several places. You know he'd been to the the, the famous loan to Vitesse, uh-huh. didn't make it, uh, and now he's playing for Hoffenheim for a few years. But I think actually he's been quite quite alright. He's been scoring uh-huh. scoring a few goals and so. So that, I don't think that Croatia will go go far. But I still think that Croatia actually played quite right in this tournament so far. It's just their midfield is so good. I yeah. mean, it's still. Modric, Kovacic, and Brozovic. Yeah. I mean, that's a great midfield. Yeah, it's a um, great midfield. Great midfield. Canada played with two in midfield yesterday. I mean, they had like Eustachio and, and Hutchinson. Yeah. Against those three, I mean, of course, you're going to get overrun. Yeah. It, n- no surprise that they was, they was get, they were getting slaughtered centrally in the field. And that is an important part of a football pitch. And the football game to win to win uh, the game uh, on, on the central field of the pitch. That's uh, a battle you have to win. Yeah, definitely. When it comes to Group G, there was actually a game, um, crazy game, earlier on today against Serbia. It was on fourth place against Cameroon. It ended up 3-3. I think Serbia was 3-0 up. 3-1 uh, up. 3-1 up, uh, yeah. And then it, it became 3-3. So... Abu Bakar came on. Yeah, exactly. Scored a crazy goal. Chip like that. Yeah. Whew. Got a good assist as well. Yeah. So that was yeah one of the games of the tournament. Definitely. It's hard to say, though, who will go through because we have Switzerland on the second place and then we have Brazil in the first place. Uh, who actually won their game, even though Neymar didn't start. Um, and I was super impressed, actually, with what they were performing against Switzerland. Even though they didn't, uh, um, they didn't score uh, that many goals. They only scored one, um, but they created a lot of chances, and they actually looked, they looked quite alright. Actually, they looked cre- creative. They were trying to 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 solve things. They were trying to create to create chances, um, but I thought that they would be like you know a bit passive when they didn't have Neymar, who actually mm-hmm. went out injured after the Serbia game. Um, but I think they were they were attacking. They were like uh, confident, and they were also like patient. You know. You, you, you didn't see them frustrated. They would like continue to do what you what you're good at and then most probably it will it will pay off and it, it did. So that was really really impressive impressive to see. Uh, and I think Brazil is still a big uh, competitor to win the tournament. I, I still think they're the favorites. 
And it was good to see, you know, my boy Casemiro get that yeah. get that crucial goal for them. Yeah, crazy midfielder, actually. Yeah. I saw someone facing stating that he must be top three uh, midfielders in the tournament of, of Champions League since they uh, since he started the tournament. Like if you say like a defensive midfielder, probably is. like Claude Makélélé, and then it was Casemiro, and then another guy maybe. Yeah, yeah, so, probably. And yeah. something I'm surprised about him is how good he is. I, of course, I knew he was arguably the best defensive midfielder in the yeah. world. But I'm surprised by how good he is, you know, going forward. Yeah. You know, he has a great shot on him. He gets into the box. Yeah. You know, he's his timing is great. So, yeah. I mean, that's something I didn't know that he had. Yeah. And that's something I'm, as a United fan, really, really excited about. I've also been super impressed because I don't watch Real Madrid's games every weekend. Um, so I've also been super, super... I've seen him all, always in the Bra- Brazilian national team and he's well been crazy and, you know, in the Champions League games. But now to see him, if... Because I watched like pretty much every Manchester United game, and to see him play in the Premier League, I've been like, I've been so impressed. I know that he was good, but I think that he's been a major factor of United actually um, starting off the season better uh, than I thought. A lot of a lot because of him. Totally agree. Yeah, <coughs> and then we have the last group, Group H, which actually has one game uh, ongoing right now. But we have uh, South Korea uh, on fourth place. We have Uruguay third place. We have Ghana on second place, and we have Cristiano Ronaldo's Portugal on first place. And uh, Portugal is actually facing Uruguay right now. What's the score? It's still 0-0, still st- 30, 36 minutes into the game. Mm. Um, so it's interesting to see what will happen there. And uh, I actually didn't watch Portugal's first game against Ghana, but I, I heard that they, they were pretty good. They were pretty good, but I think Ghana could also have got a point. Yeah. Um, they got a cheap penalty... I thought yeah. and I thought the good names were a little bit unlucky. Yeah. Um, but Portugal, yeah, they were they were pretty they were pretty decent. Yeah. Like I think someone like Rafael Liao should be starting for them though. Yeah. Like <laughs> when he came on he was yeah, he was a beast. I don't get how he doesn't start, honestly. That man, he's he's out of it as well. I'm a Milan supporter. Uh, I think that many of you guys know. But for me I see I see him every weekend in the Serie A and he's he's doing filthy stuff in the Serie A, but to do it on a World Cup level and soon also, uh, most probably in, on Premier League level, I think the world, the world, they're not ready for how good he is. It's crazy. It's crazy. That guy, it feels like he actually reminds me a bit of Ronaldinho when it comes to the way he plays football. Because it feels like he's always playing football with a smile on his face. You know, It feels like he's playing on the streets of Portugal. That's true. Not like he's in a, in a, in a football field on one of the biggest uh, stadiums in the world. Mm. And that is something that... I think the same thing with like Anthony. That's the same yeah. thing for me. I like those type of players who, like, it feels like they're all in their, like, kindergarten backyard, you know, doing tricks. For sure. Just, like, loving to play football. Yeah. Even though I can also appreciate the, the, the players that are, like, machines that just keep on going. But I also love to see players that actually just, they play football. Hey, I mean... I don't think there's enough of those type of players anymore. No. You know, players who look like they genuinely, genuinely just love what they're doing. Yeah. They're just smiling all the time. So all this, like, money, money ball perspective on football has... Um, actually, it killed those type of players because now it's it's only... Stats. Yeah, it's you know, only stats, basically. It, just like, you know, Zlatan, Cristiano Ronaldo, all of them, in the beginning, they were, like, dribblers. Yeah. You know? But now, but then they understood that what is actually counting and what is important is to score goals. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that... But I still think that you actually can, can combine it because I think what Real, uh, Rafael Liao is doing is really efficient when it comes to when he faces a defender 
it's really hard for him to know like how he's gonna go towards goals. So I think also that you can be effective and you can be a dribbler at the same time. So I I have my fingers crossed that it will appear in more plays like this that yeah, actually yeah. enjoy playing their own uh, style of football and still can be effective and um, uh, perform in a world team. He reminds me actually I haven't seen that much of him, but from what I see, like he makes me think of Thierry Henry a little bit in the way he like runs and yeah. you know goes past people and finishes. He loves that curling finish into the corner, you know, that one yeah. style. Yeah. He's, so, he's crazy when it comes to that. Yeah. So, so I, I think that he will actually end up in the Premier League and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to uh, United or Chelsea. He's been pretty linked with Chelsea, right? Yeah. Pretty linked with Chelsea. Um, but I hope that we will go to Man- to Manchester instead. Mm-hmm. You need a left winger now when Geno Sancho is struggling. So, yeah, big so time. if you, if you would get uh, Liao and then Anthony on the on the on the right wing, um, I would enjoy even more to watch United every single week. Yeah, that would be so. Maybe new owners, new like right left wing, and then things will go off. Manchester United. Let's see. Yeah, and that was actually it. Don't you think? We've been talking yeah. over over an hour now. Over an hour. Sometimes yeah. we just get too into it. <laughs> yeah, man. But still, like it's our first episode. We're like uh, we're like uh, you know calls when they come out the first time. On a on a green to just run out there and they want to eat all of the grass. <laughs> That's us right now. So exactly. So we're learning step by step. We're taking baby step towards getting better at doing podcasts. But I think this episode was way better than the first one. So I think we we're, we're improving um, from the previous episode. So do you have something else to add? You know, thanks for listening. You know, Definitely. thanks for the feedback we got last time. Hope we get more this time and. Like Jacob mentioned earlier, we've got some interesting episodes coming up yeah. and some so you, fire guests yeah, that you guys will enjoy. Definitely. We have so many uh, interesting guests, actually, uh, that we've been talking with and who's been interested to join the podcast. So if you haven't pressed uh, the follow button, please do. And if you haven't rate us, rated us on Spotify, please do. Give us five stars. That would be, we would appreciate that so much. Uh, I know that we maybe not five stars uh, <laughs> yet, but still but it helps with the algorithm, you know. What exactly, I mean? exactly. If we can, if we can get, if we can get what we can get, that would uh, that will help us a lot. So uh, this was this the the actually the first episode of what the what's going on fo- uh, football podcast. Um, the second one, if you if you count the pilot, um, but I think that was it actually. And now we just have to wish everyone a pleasant week, and also to enjoy. Um, the last rounds of the group stage, and we will get back when um, when the quarterfinals. No, the round of sixteen. Exactly. Uh, when the round of sixteen is uh, ongoing or starting. Yeah, we're not one hundred percent sure yet when we will record next episode. But uh, if you follow us on Spotify, you will know. <laughs> you will get notified when we release exactly. another episode of the podcast. Exactamente. All right. Take care, guys. We love this thing. We love you. Bye.